All right, today's scripture comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. Uh, we are going to read in the ESV, and we ask that you please stand as able once you're ready to, to read the scripture. You can find the ESV in your pew Bibles there, or uh, if you uh, brought your own Bible or Bible app, uh, feel free to use that as well. So please stand as able once you're ready to read God's word. Again, it's John chapter 14. Verses 15 through 27. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me and does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we have been... um, Doing this, this, uh, series on resurrecting. Uh, so it is, uh, the season of Easter, uh, that we are in. And we still have a few more weeks here in the season of Easter. Uh, but, uh, today we are talking about resurrecting spirits. And so the Holy Spirit, I think, is, uh, one of the concepts, one of the, the parts of God that a lot of us don't fully understand. But the way that the Holy Spirit gets talked about today uh, comes in the context of um, our loneliness, of the fact that we are not alone. And I think that this is one of the great fears that we have in this day and age. It is one of the realities that a lot, of, well, one of the things that we think is a reality for a lot of us is that we think we're alone. Uh, this phrase here, here I go again on my own, that comes from a uh, uh, 1987 White Snake song. I don't know if anyone knows this song. This is, this is, I'm really dating myself here, but it goes, Here I go again on my own. And it's it's kind of a, actually, kind of a rockin' song. And it's very cheerful. I, I think for a lot of us, we think this is the reality for us. I think we try to make the best of it. I know that... Um, for, for a lot of people, it's kind of like almost this like cowboy mentality. You know, I'm on my own and, and I got to rely on my own. I got to do it on my own. But for many of us, that can be a very frightening thing as well. Because your success, maybe you take the credit for that. But when you are in trouble, well, you're on your trouble on your own as well. And so for many people in this day and age, um, that's how a lot of us feel. We, we feel like we're alone. Um, I think that that is part of the reason. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week, but uh, next week is going to be resurrecting church. And part of the reason why we're, we want to do fellowship before service is, um, I think it's kind of weird that people come to church and feel alone. <laughs> I think that God gives us community so that we're not doing life on our own. Right? We are supposed to be a physical representation of what God wants to give us spiritually. You know, and so that's what church is. But there's a reality every day, even when you are not with people, that one of the things we talk about is you are not on your own. We know that God is there with you. But the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the way that you know this, that you're not on your own. The Holy Spirit, I think, um, 
is very not well understood for a lot of us. Uh, part of the reason is because of the kind of different language that we use. And so uh, the way that people used to refer to the, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Ghost. Maybe you have heard this before. Um, and, you know, ghost and spirit, uh, there was a time where that was kind of synonymous. But we don't really understand that language, right? It, it sounds like very spooky, almost. Holy Ghost. Woo! You know? And, and even the word spirit, for many of us, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that, you know, our minds go when we think about spirit. And so, for a lot of us, the Holy Spirit is something very mysterious, you know, and maybe you've heard this, like, you know, the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways. What is God's will? Nobody knows. And brothers and sisters, I think we feel alone in this too, because we don't really understand God's Holy Spirit. We don't really understand God's ways. We don't really understand God's will. What does God want for us? What are we supposed to be doing? And so for many of us, we're just like, who knows, right? Like, like it, it just seems like something inaccessible to us. Do you think that was God's intention? Do you think God's intention was to make the Holy Spirit so mysterious that no one would ever understand it? That no one would ever be able to really access the Holy Spirit except for like really, really spiritual people? You know, for many of us, we don't really think of ourselves that way. But I think, brothers and sisters, what Jesus was trying to do was democratize the Holy Spirit, (laughs) was to bring it to all people, to bring it to all of God's people, and to not make the Holy Spirit so mysterious. That's kind of my goal today, is for us to understand a little bit more (laughs) what the Holy Spirit is about, and for us not to be so afraid of it. Because I think that when we don't understand the Holy Spirit, we do feel alone. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be our helper. Let's take a look at this passage. It says, uh, so we start talking about love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, brothers and sisters, before we go on here, what commandments are we talking about? You may know that John 14, where we read here, this was not an isolated uh, passage. This is a part of a larger discourse. Jesus' farewell address to his disciples. And we actually talked about part of this. We read part of this last week in John 13. It's the same address, right? Jesus didn't take a break, you know, dismiss his, his disciples for a week and then come back and talk about something different. He was talking about the same thing. So Jesus does have many commands. He has, has many things that he talks about. But last week, we got a very specific command. He said, I give you a new command. For those of you who are here, you might remember this. And if you weren't here, I want to refresh your memory. So let's just go back real quick uh, to John 13, 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when it's talking about the commandments of God, uh, the commandments of Jesus, that he just gave us a commandment, right? In this same address, he gave you a command, and his command was to love others as he loved us, right? So that's what he's talking about. If you love me, then you also will love other people. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So we're told this is the spirit of truth. Um, And so, brothers and sisters, if you see in your Bibles, uh, there's usually a, a, a little footnote when it comes to this word. This is a word that has been very hard for us to translate. And it gets translated in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes it, it is uh, translated as counselor, comforter, advocate. And in this uh, uh, passage, in this version, the ESV, it, it says helper. And uh, so I want to try to explain to you what this word is. In Greek, it is parakletos. And it means uh, someone who's called in. That's what it means. That, that's literally what it means. But in the Greek, uh, in, in this culture, paraclete was used, parakletos was used in a variety of contexts. And I want to uh, explain to you what this means because I think you will start to understand what the Holy Spirit is here for. 
so uh, William Barclay, in his Daily Study Bible, he gives a good description of what a parakletos is. So I'm going to just put this right here, just so you can see word for word what William William Barclay wrote. He said, a parakletos might be a person called in to give witness in a law court in someone's favor. He might be an advocate called in to plead the the cause of someone under a charge which would issue in serious penalty. So here you see two kind of legal examples of what a parakletos is. Uh, so a parakletos could be a witness, like, like a supporting witness in, in a court. So like, let's say that you were, you know, charged for, for something that you would want a witness to back you up. Hey, I wasn't there at the scene of the crime, right? I'm not guilty, whatever, right? And so you would have a witness who's like, yeah, you know, I'm here to back up this guy that I was there. I saw that person or I didn't see that person, right? And they would give a, a, a testimony in your favor. Right? That's what a, a paracletos would do. Another way a paracletos would be is that you see here might be an advocate called in to plead the cause of someone under a charge, which would issue in serious penalty. What, what do we call that now? So the first one would be a witness, a supporting witness. The second one would be what? Who else is in, in a, a courtroom? Judge? Okay. Does this sound like a judge? Judge has to be impartial, right? This person is not impartial. They're on your side. They're trying to help you, right? It would be what? Someone said it. Lawyer. Yes, good, good. Yeah, a lawyer, an attorney, right? That is a very good example of what a paracletos would have been in Greek society. So somebody who's on your side, who's taking your side so that, you know, you can get the best possible ruling. Right, and so in that way, uh, that's why sometimes uh, the Parakletos in this passage gets translated as counselor. They mean lawyer, right? An advocate, somebody on your side. He might be an expert called in to give advice in some difficult situation. He might be a person called in when, for example, a company of soldiers were depressed and dispirited to put new courage into their minds and hearts. In the the King James Version, the way that Parakletos gets uh, translated is encourager, comforter. Uh, So uh, this idea of being somebody who comforts you when you're in trouble. So regardless of what that means, always a parakletos is someone called in to help in time of trouble or need. So brothers and sisters, what does this mean for us? What is the Holy Spirit's role then for you? What is the Holy Spirit there to to, to do? I think uh, in this context then, in the ESV, the word helper is 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 very uh helpful uh no pun intended <laughs> for us to understand what the holy spirit is there for in other words the holy spirit is the way that you know that god is on your side god is with you right god is with you it's not just an idea of god being somewhere really remote but the holy spirit is a way of saying you are not alone now, brothers and sisters, how when we think about God, right? Um, that 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 this is what Jesus was supposed to do for us, right? Jesus was supposed to be the visible sign that God is with us. God is not just you know uh, in some clouds in a heaven that's really far away from you. God is not just looking down on humanity, just judging and saying, "Well, I hope you figure it out." Good luck. I'll give you some laws. I'll give you some precepts. And you do your best to try to figure it out. Right? In other words, uh, you know, this way of looking at God as being far away and up on high is us trying to climb up to the heavens, trying to climb up to God. But we know that in Jesus, God came to us. God stooped down. And he shed himself of his godhood, of, of many of, of, of what it meant to be divine, to be with us, to enter into our flesh, right? For what? For what? To help us, right? But what this farewell address was all about was Jesus was telling his disciples, 
pretty soon I'm going away. I'm going to die. I'm going to be murdered, right? And then I'm going to go away. And Jesus actually, after he died, he uh, resurrected, right? And he came back to his disciples again. But even in that, he was going to go away. It's something that we call the ascension, right? We, we don't really understand how this works, but somehow Jesus, his physical presence is not with us anymore, right? He ascends into heaven, right? Like, like I know we tend to think of that heaven as like being up there, right? But it's some sort of metaphysical space with God where Jesus is now bodily. So in other words, I mean, I, I hope that doesn't confuse you too much, but just the idea of that is Jesus bodily, physically is not with you anymore, right? And we know that. For a lot of us, we, we sort of uh, uh, bemoan that. We're like, man, you know, the disciples, they got to be with Jesus, but we don't, right? That, that, that's, that's so hard for us. If we could actually see Jesus, then maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't feel so alone. If we actually had Jesus here with us, helping us, interceding for us, you know, uh, standing next to us, encouraging us, giving us reminders of what we are supposed to do, Right? In this situation, you know, like I'm supposed to figure out what would Jesus do? Well, hey, it would be really helpful if Jesus was here telling me what to do. Right? And so for a lot of us, we do feel alone in that. Spiritually, a lot of us feel alone. We feel like, like, like a ship that's just adrift on the ocean. What am I supposed to be doing? Right? So many of us are wondering, what is the will of God? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in this world is one of the most common questions that people ask. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Right? And so Jesus, from the very beginning, that's what this whole passage was about. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, advocate, parakletos, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. This is one of the most encouraging things that I, I, that, that I hear in Scripture. I will not leave you as an orphan. You are not alone, right? I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And and it says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So this is uh, Jesus' desire, is for us to be in union with Jesus, with his purposes, with his will, with his commands, right? And in so doing, we are in union with the Father. This is God's will for us. And so Judas, not Iscariot, uh, not the guy who betrayed Jesus, but he asked this question. He said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In other words, is this just for us and not the world? I, I thought you wanted to kind of help everyone, right? Well, how come the world can't see you and experience you? Um, and, and so Jesus answers this, um, and, and oftentimes when he answers these kinds of questions, it doesn't seem like a direct answer, right? Like, like he doesn't just straight out answer Judas here, but this is what he says. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So brothers and sisters, why doesn't the world get to experience God? Why doesn't the world get to be in union with God? Why doesn't the world get to see Jesus? What are they missing out here? Brothers and sisters, I I think, you know, there's two things that are talked about here. It talks about being willing to do what the Father says, right? Um, and being willing for the Father to be at home with us, to be living in us, right? And Jesus really equates those two as the same thing, right? To live with God, to have God in you, the Holy Spirit in you, the presence of Christ in you, 
but also to fulfill his commands. Those two are one and the same for Jesus. Why? Because what are Jesus' commands about? What are Jesus' commands about? What are they about, brothers and sisters? Do you, do you need a reminder? <laughs> what, what, what was the whole thing about this new command? What was it? What is Jesus' command about? What marks you as a Christ follower? Is it that you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, but it's more than that. Do you remember when Jesus talks about belief? He says, you know what? Demons believe that there is one God, and they shudder. They're afraid of God. They have fear of God. So what? Who cares? Right? That doesn't do anything. Right? If even demons can believe in God, even demons believe in Jesus, belief in Jesus doesn't seem to be enough to actually make you a disciple of Jesus. Right? It's more than that. It is what? This isn't supposed to be hard. <laughs> it's what? What is it? Love. Thank you. Thank you so much, right? Was that so hard, guys? I don't know. Do you not want to say that? Do you not want to say love? Can, can everyone say love? Love. Love. Okay, let's try that again. It feels good. Everyone say love. Love. What is the command that God has given you? What marks you as a disciple? Love. Okay, good. Good. Brothers and sisters, do you know what love is? Right? Just think about a man and a woman. I don't want to get gross or too technical, right? But what is the union between a man and a woman? What is marriage, right? Two, two people, right? Two different flesh that become one, right? That's love. You become unified. I am you, you are me, right? We're not so different. That's what love is all about, right? So when Jesus talks about being one with the Father, and he says, you must do what he commands, which is what? To love. If you love the Father, then you will love, right? If you love me, then you will love. Does that make sense? To me, it makes perfect sense, right? Because that's what love does. Love joins you with others. If you have the love of God in you, you will love other people, right? I don't know why we make God's will so complicated for so many people when it really is quite simple. God's will for you is to love like Jesus loves. That's God's will for you, right? And the reason why the world, what what is the world? The world is a place where God is not king, right? This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to be king. He came to bring the kingdom of God. To bring what? A kingdom of love. That's what he came to do. But the world is a place where Jesus is not king. Who's king? All of us are king. (laughs) We're our own gods. We're our own rulers, right? We do whatever we want, right? And none of us are beholden to other people. Right? That, that's where most of us live. We live in a world where it's like, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. God, you can't tell me to love that person. I don't feel like loving that person. Why should I love that person? What did they do for me? Right? It is a world of scarcity. It is a world of fear. It's a world where there's us and them. There's the good guys and the bad guys. Right? There's the people who know the truth and the people who don't know the truth. And for many of us, that's the world we live in, right? It's, it's a world where you get to exclude, you get to hate, you get to distinguish yourself, you get to favor yourself and your tribe. But that is not the will of God. The will of God is to bring all things under Christ, right? To unify all things, right, with us and God and God's purposes which is about love. It's about love. I know it sounds so touchy-feely, right? And, and maybe for some of you, you've heard different kinds of versions of the, the Christian story. You've heard different kinds of things of what God is doing, and that's why we get confused, 
right? But Jesus, in this passage, he seems to be making it very simple, right? I want to help you to love others. And Jesus knows it's not so simple, right? We live in a world where people have hurt one another. We live in a world where there's a lot of things that seem to be dividing us, right? It makes it really hard for us to be one with other people. Jesus knows that. That is why he has sent you a helper. That is why he sent you a paracletos, right? Somebody to remind you of what you are supposed to be doing, which is loving. Someone there to remind you of the teachings of Jesus. Someone there to empower you and to help you. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. Right? So let's take a look at uh, the rest of this passage. So verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, there seems to be a little bit of of a pivot here where it goes from talking about, um, you know, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit reminding you of of commandments to peace and to this idea of being in a place where there is no fear. Brothers and sisters, what is the opposite of fear? Does anyone know what the opposite of fear is? In the Bible, the opposite of fear I know in some ways we think it's faith. Not really, not truly. What drives out fear, right? So, so if you think about something and it's opposite, they can't exist in the same space, right? That's how you know something is its opposite. Light and dark cannot exist in the same space at the same time, right? And so there is something that cannot exist with fear, and it is Brothers and sisters, I made everyone say it. (laughs) What is it? Love. Okay, good. Right? That is the opposite of fear, is love. Right? So, brothers and sisters, if our lives are supposed to be about the love of God, then you cannot live in fear. You can't. Right? Perfect love drives out fear. That's what it says in Scripture. Why? Because fear and love are opposites. They're like light and dark. They cannot exist in the same space, right? And so this is why he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. The the world is not giving you true peace. Because true peace is where God exists. And where God exists, what will exist? Love, yes, let your not hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is what keeps us from loving people, because we're so afraid. That's what this world operates on, right? It operates on fear. Fear is very powerful. It just makes sense, right? Light and dark are both powerful, right? Love is very, very powerful, but so is fear. I mean, you could argue that <laughs> in some ways, uh, fear is what makes politics go. Right? There's a lot of people who will use fear to motivate you, right? to motivate people. Look at those others. Look at those people. They're not like you. They're the enemy. We have to get them. We have to exterminate them, right? They're not like us. It's fear, right? Fear always needs an enemy. But love doesn't have enemies, right? I mean, Jesus is very, very radical in this. When somebody slaps you on the cheek, right, what are you supposed to do? You turn the other cheek, right? You have heard it said, love those who love you and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus says. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Turn the other cheek, right? If you love me, if you love God, you will obey my commands. What did I command you? 
to love your enemies. What did I command you to do? To love as I have loved you. And the Holy Spirit is the way that we are supposed to be empowered to do this. To be able to love in a completely different way, right? Now, for a lot of people, the reason why we bristle at this is because we, we're like, but Pastor Steve, I thought the Holy Spirit was supposed to be super natural. All of this sounds natural. Isn't love natural? I'll tell you, some love is natural, right? Loving people who love you, that's very natural. It feels good, right? It's very easy. Loving your enemies, not so natural. Forgiving people who have hurt you and burned you and persecuted you, not so natural, right? This is why you need the Holy Spirit to enable you to do this. And brothers and sisters, I understand it doesn't feel good. That's supernatural. It's going against your natural feelings, right? You're going to need help. Jesus knew that. He knew that. He's like, I know when I was there with you and I was modeling it for you. I modeled it for you literally by dying on a cross, right? When my enemies came for me, we didn't strike them down with swords. We didn't do that, right? But I gave myself willingly. Remember that? I'm not going to be here to show you that all the time, but I'm going to give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to whisper to you, remind you all of these things that I taught you, right? I'm going to remind you of how to love like me, how to live in union with me, how to live as if there are no more enemies, right? To live as if we are one with all people. This is God's desire. This is God's will. This is what God wants to teach you how to do, right? God wants to teach us how to live in peace. There are so many of us, we don't live in freedom, not the freedom of Christ, because we are so afraid. So we're always on alert. We're on high alert. Oh my gosh, someone's out to get me. Something bad is going to happen to me. I'm so uncertain, right? I, I, I don't live in security. I always have to look out for myself. But what Jesus is trying to do is to leave us with peace, not the peace of this world. The peace of this world says we will live in this world in peace when we eliminate all our enemies, right? If everyone agrees with us, then we will be in peace. That's what the world thinks, Right? If everyone is on our side, then we will live in peace. But the peace of Christ says, even if you still have people who are persecuting you, you can live in peace. Even if there isn't the absence of conflict, you can live in peace. Even if there are circumstances that are not ideal, you can live in peace. Right? This is a a, a supernatural kind of peace where you can live in this world and know that you are loved and you are love. You can be loved now. That is peace. That's real peace. To know absolutely, like we've been saying, you are not alone. You are not alone. It makes all the difference. It changes how you live with people. It changes how you pray. It changes how you operate in this world. It changes the kind of ambitions you'll have in this world if you don't have to be afraid. If you can know this one truth, that God is with you, God is for you, God will always be with you, right? This is what Jesus wants us to know. And this is what we are supposed to have in the Holy Spirit. So remember last week, I said, there are a few things that we can do in this world for us to really understand what it means to be in God's kingdom. And one of the things I told you to do was pause, right? Create pauses in this world. Don't don't always assume that what you're doing is right, but you have to pause. And oftentimes I find that these are the ways in which I'm able to access the Holy Spirit, is to create pauses. Because I understand that for me... My natural inclinations oftentimes are to operate on fear. That's why we live in anxiety. You know what anxiety is, brothers and sisters? It's fear in the future. That's what anxiety is. That's why you're anxious, because you are living in fear. It's not a present fear. It's a fear you're anticipating, 
Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what if I don't get that job? Uh, uh, right? It's fear. But it's fear that's not here. It's fear that's not realized. It's fear in the future, but it's fear nonetheless. That's what anxiety is. So the peace of Christ is the opposite of anxiety because you are living in a place of complete love. You know you are loved. You know you are held. And you don't need to live in fear anymore. This is where God wants you to be, right? But this is not something that you can generate on your own. It's not natural. You need the Holy Spirit, right? And so, brothers and sisters, what I want to propose to you is you have to create these these openings in your life, right? Because, you know, your natural things will just occupy you. Have you noticed that, you know, whether or not you plan on doing anything, time just passes, right? And you do stuff. What do you do? Oftentimes I'll ask people, hey, how's it going? They're like, good. What have you been doing? Nothing. You're a liar. You haven't been doing nothing. You've been doing something. But what people mean by that, when they say like, like you know, what are you doing? Nothing, right? Nothing special. That's what people mean, right? But you're doing something. What are you doing? You're doing what comes naturally, what you feel like doing, what you have been programmed to do, what you always do. And what, if we do what we always do, you will get what you always get, right? And so people say, I don't want to be anxious anymore. Okay, then you must pause. You must pause the automatic programs that are running in your life. This is what the Holy Spirit is intended to do, to break into your life and say, your automatic pattern, your nervous system, your mind, your brain, your body is all programmed to fear. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is interrupt the automatic program that is getting you to fear. Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? This is what prayer is all about. It's hitting the pause button and creating spaces for the Holy Spirit to come in and teach you a different way of being. Not a way of being where you have to automatically be afraid, but a way of being where now you can be free to love. Why? Because you are loved. You are loved. But this cannot be something that only exists in your mind. This is something that you must understand in your being, right? I can tell you till the cows come home. Does anyone say that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a saying. It's an old saying. I can tell you till the cows come home. You're loved. You're loved. God loves you. Jesus loved you. God sent his son to die for you. And you'd be like, okay, 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 okay. But you are in a mental and emotional space where you are in fear. So what's the problem? Fear and love cannot ex- coexist. We already said that, right? So the problem is because you are operating fear all the time, that message of love cannot reach your soul. It can't. Because you are vibrating with fear and anxiety all the time. And so somebody's telling you you're loved and you don't believe them. Not really. Because your heart doesn't believe them. Your soul doesn't believe them. Your nervous system doesn't believe them. You don't feel safe. I could tell you you're safe, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, but I don't feel safe. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I'm not alone. I feel like I'm utterly alone. That's why I'm afraid, right? I feel like the only person I can depend upon is me, right? And we have to create a different kind of story, a different kind of narrative, a different kind of knowing, and that knowing is You are absolutely loved. In this world, brothers and sisters, what do we do when we're anxious? How do we combat anxiety? How do we combat fear? Do you know what we do? We do two things. It's just, this this is not, you know, I'm not making this up. This is just basic biology and human physiology, right? What do you do when you're afraid? You do one of two things. It's just automatic. It's called fight or flight. That's all. That's all you can do. You fight or you run, right? So what do we do when we, we fight? Well, maybe some of us, we study harder. We try to get a better job, right? We try to control, right? 
we, we do these things to struggle. Do, 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 right? Now, running is a little bit more fun. <laughs> so what do we do to run? Maybe some of you, you watch YouTube, right? Maybe some of you, you take a nap. Maybe some of you, you eat lots of ice cream or eat snacks, right? It's this kind of numbing that we do in this world. But both of these things are responses to fear, to anxiety. And this is what you are programmed to do. Now, this is the problem. What are you really afraid of? What are you really afraid of? Are you afraid of something that is here? If you were, then it's very easy to get rid of that. If you were afraid of a bear that's in this room, you have two choices. Run or fight. That's it. Run or fight. Right? That's what we've learned, right? If you do anything else, you're dead, right? Bear eats you, right? And you're dead. So you either fight the bear or you run from the bear. That's it, right? Now, the thing you're afraid of, it's not really here. That's the problem. You are afraid of something that might come in the future, right? And actually, what you are really afraid of is what? What are you really afraid of? Let's be honest. Think about it for a moment. What are you really afraid of? Isn't it all come down to one thing? It's death. It's what you're really afraid of. It's nothingness. And it comes for us all. Now, it's not here in this moment. Death is not here. Now, we have symbols of that, right? Like the bear. That looks like death. Right? The bear were right here. I'm going to fight it or I'm going to run from it. But the thing that all of us are truly afraid of, it's death. So what did Jesus really come to defeat? Yes, sin. But ultimately, what Jesus came to defeat was death. So in order to defeat death, what did he do? Jesus died. And Jesus rose again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. For those of you who are new, we've, we, we do that like, <laughs> we've been doing that. <laughs> so just in case you didn't know what that was. <laughs> he is risen indeed. What is the resurrection about? It is about the defeat of death. This is the way that God tells us, I am stronger than death, Right? He rose Jesus from the death, so you do not need to be afraid. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, and what is that Spirit? Who is this Christ? Is he just any man who came and lived and died? No, he is a man who came and lived and died and rose again. That's the Spirit that lives in you. It is a resurrection Spirit. It is a victory Spirit. Brothers and sisters, come on, I'm preaching here, right? This is the spirit that is supposed to live in you. It is not a spirit of fear anymore. It is a spirit of resurrection. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. That is why we are not afraid anymore. Because Jesus has conquered and overcome death. So even if you die, you know you're safe. You know that the God who rose Jesus from the dead can raise you. That is why the disciples throughout the ages were not afraid of death. They're like, come on, bring it on. What are you going to do to us? We have the spirit of Christ within us. It is a risen spirit, right? But this spirit is different than the spirit of the world because the spirit of the world that we are living in is a spirit of fear. We need the risen spirit, don't we? I know I need that. That's what I'm doing when I pray. (laughs) When I pray, it really looks like I'm doing nothing. I just sit there. If any of you want to learn this, the contemplative prayer, it's going to look like a bunch of nothing. You're just going to sit here and do nothing. (laughs) But what you are actually doing is you are doing the opposite of what this world is always telling you to do. It says, Run, 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 fight, 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 fight. And we have a different option. 
we have a third option. We say, no, I will just be. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to fight. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit tell me there is another way. And another way is the way of Christ. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. I'm going to love and be loved. And loving, for many of us, it is just about being. It's just about being. It is a different way in this world. Have you ever really loved someone and felt completely comfortable with them because you felt safe? In their love, you felt safe. And I know for a lot of us, when we don't feel safe, we, we, we have to do something, right? We have to perform. Oh, hey, hey, you want to talk about something? Oh, how was your day? You, you got to perform, right? Oh, let me tell you this funny joke I, I said, you, you know, or I heard or whatever, right? You, you got to do something, right? You got to fight. Or you run. <laughs> you're so awkward, right? You see somebody and you're like, oh, 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 that person's so beautiful. Or, <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel so socially awkward, right? And you run. We run or we fight. But when you really love someone and they love you, have you ever been with someone where you can just chill? You don't have to do anything, right? You, you, you can have silences and they're not awkward. You, you just, you're just there. You don't need to say anything to impress them. You don't need to run away because you're so afraid of their, their, that, you know, that they will look at you or think something about you. You just trust that you are love. So you can just be. Love is the third way. Does that make sense? It is not running. It is not fighting. It is just being. And that is what you are learning in prayer. That is what you're learning by opening yourself to the Holy Spirit. You're learning that third way to just be loved. It changes your nervous system, brothers and sisters. It changes the way that you will be in this world. It changes how you will act towards other people. If you can learn this third way from the helper, right? That is the gift that Jesus really wants to give you. He wants to teach you how to love and be loved, and live in love, to just be, right? That's what God wants to give you. Um, can I get the praise team to come up here? It, it's something that we have to create these openings more and more in our life, right? Prayer. <laughs> you know, those many times where we say, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to fight, I'm just going to love, be, and be loved, Right? It's the most powerful thing that you can do in this world is to just be. This is how we create room for the Spirit that will teach you a new way of being, right, in this world. And so let's just take a moment to just, to just chill. <laughs> let's, let's just create some room right now. She says, uh, uh, Jason is strumming some harmonious melodies. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Brothers and sisters, you're safe here. You don't need to fight. You don't need to run. That's what the church is supposed to be. We're the people of God. That's what the Spirit is supposed to be. It is the Spirit of the risen Christ. You don't need to run. You don't need to fight. You're safe safe. You are forever safe. So we don't need to impress anyone. We don't need to prove anything, right? We don't need to run from anything. We can just face reality as it is. We can just be. So let's just take a moment to just be here with God. You know, maybe you can, uh, if you can understand this, brothers and sisters, if this makes sense to you, to just Open yourself to the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe you can just say that in your words. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. Spirit of Christ, you are welcome here. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to fight. I can just be. I can just be. I can just be loved. I can just be loved.
Brothers and sisters, do you know what grace is? Grace is a gift. Do you know how you get a gift? You can't earn it. You can't fight for it. <laughs> Nor should you run from it. You just receive it. It's what you do with a gift. So just receive the Holy Spirit. You can't earn it. It's already been earned. It is so given. Just welcome it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Some of us, our minds fight. We think, we try to control. <laughs> we try to run away in our minds. But maybe we can just tell our minds, okay, thank you for trying to keep me safe. Thank you for trying to fight for me. Thank you for trying to run away. But right now, I can just be safe. I just want to let down my defenses. Just be loved. To just be loved. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Spirit of the risen Christ, you are welcome. Precious God, we thank you so much for the spirit of your son, Jesus Christ. The spirit of resurrection, of the defeat of death, that we can know that we do not need to be afraid anymore. That we can just receive it. We don't need to fight. We don't need to run. We don't need to have enemies anymore. Thank you so much for your love. And we can just receive with grace, with gratitude, with open arms, open hearts, open spirits. Help us to know your peace. Help us to know this place where there does not need to be fear anymore, where your perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.